It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 187, Hezekiah's Healing Hezekiah was awakened by one of his most trusted confidants with the news of the fall of Lachish, which only confirmed the worst of his fears. Nodding to his servant, with tears in his eyes, he confirmed the actions that he was forced to take the next day. With the nod of his head, he gave the unspoken order for the treasures of the kingdom to be inventoried for shipment out of his capital. After a sleepless night, he received on the following day a man of royalty in his court, the son of the king of Babylon. Marduk Baladan was the son of the current king of Babylon, and like so many others from a foreign land courting his favor. Hezekiah, playing the role of king, he made himself up to appear like he didn't have a sleepless night, and he led the prince of Babylon on a tour of the palace and the throne room, and didn't have to walk far to show the prince the crates of treasures being piled into a shipment outside of the capital. The prince was amazed at the treasures of King Hezekiah, and even just that fact that there were so many treasures for such a small kingdom of Judah. When asked why there were such treasures for such a small country, his response was, God has blessed us. We are God's special people. After showing the prince the palace, Hezekiah purposefully didn't show the prince the temple for he had just ordered the gold stripped from the doors, and it made for a nasty sight depressing the people of the kingdom. Regardless, the prince exited the king's presence most impressed with the king of Judah and his treasures. Walking away, sending letters quickly ahead to his father of the kindness of the king of Judah, and the king's kindness and favor and the words that he would spoken over them. After the prince of Babylon walked away, Hezekiah was found at the walls overlooking the countryside. Isaiah walked up to the king and spoke to him. Where did these men come from? They are from Babylon, Hezekiah answered. What did you show them? Everything, Hezekiah laughed. Everything in the kingdom, that is. All we have left. All the city, the palace, the throne, even the treasures. The king shook his head, seeing caravans of the kingdom's treasures being hauled off to the Assyrian camp as a bribe to end the war. Because you did this, Isaiah said, because you showed the Babylonians around and showed them everything, it will be they who come and destroy and haul away your ancestors, making some of the eunuchs and the prisoners of Babylon. Hezekiah laughed. My God, at least it's not in my lifetime. Isaiah walked off, and before Hezekiah could even process his instantaneous response, he began to cough uncontrollably, forcing him to return to his quarters and to his bed. See, Hezekiah's response was selfish and not generational in his thinking, but Hezekiah has the equivalent of cancer cells polluting his thinking. He just nearly lost the entirety of his country, his populace. He just gave away the gold in his kingdom, including the gold stripped from the temple doors. He's in a pathetic state, and a word about the Babylonians destroying them was off base to him. 
And Hezekiah rejoiced in not being dead tomorrow. It's just a super strange word in the midst of all of this chaos that's going down. And Hezekiah, his response is wrong. But, I mean, he is so in the thick of now to receive this word about future generations being hauled off to Babylon. He's not bothered. I mean, his kingdom literally at this point could end tomorrow. The civilization of Judah could be extinct tomorrow. A word of Babylon destroying them in this season was so far in the future that rejoiced. uh, It actually led to uh, probably Hezekiah rejoicing that he wouldn't be dead tomorrow. Should Hezekiah have bribed the Assyrians? No. Now we'll find out why later. He wasted all of his effort in doing this. Now, Hezekiah has rushed to his bed, which instantly becomes his deathbed from the way he's feeling. Everything at this point seems to be moving really fast. The next three days, that is. The rest of the day and night, the king is in his in bed in extreme pain, and he falls deathly ill. Not knowing what is going to happen with the king, his advisors fear the worst and the death of their beloved king. Hezekiah cries in pain, and others try to help him, and doctors are not sure what to do. No one can help the king. The next day, he looks deathly pale, and he cannot hold down food, and even screams out in pain. The prophet Isaiah arrives to deliver a word, and the king welcomes him. Isaiah delivers a horrifying word to the king. He states, get your house in order because you are going to die and not recover. Isaiah turned and walked out of the room. Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is right and good in your eyes, as he wept bitterly. Before Isaiah could exit the palace, the Lord spoke to him. Go tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the Assyrians. I will defend this city. Isaiah went further and told Hezekiah to apply pressed figs to the boil, and he would get better. You have to imagine the power in this moment. Not only was Hezekiah given a lease on life, but the Lord will now be defending Jerusalem himself. The dialogue continues, and let's park it here for a minute. Healing and miracles are a gift of God. It shows his power, whether the healing comes through homeopathic ways like this one, The dirt placed in the eyes of the man at Shalom, seven dips in the Jordan. There's acts of obedience that God sometimes requires us to be a part of the healing. That's what that is. The seven dips in the Jordan was was Naaman's part in the healing. Jesus applied dirt to the eyes of the man in Shalom. Jesus had to do that for the healing to come. What happens here is Hezekiah, he's got to apply a press of figs to this cancerous boil that is coming out of his skin. Did Hezekiah apply the press of figs to this potentially cancerous boil? I would say he did it immediately. Was the healing in the figs? Well, figs are apparently known for their healing properties, but maybe no one thought to apply it to the boil. Would figs normally heal a cancerous boil? Uh, I mean, probably not, but who knows what his actual problem was. I did look up studies on the healing properties of figs, and there is some good stuff out there. 
but I wouldn't normally recommend figs, but Isaiah did. If anything, it's the point that God can use anything from a surgery, a healing miracle, a homeopathic remedy, a dream, a vision, an encounter, whatever it is, the means, we should never discount God and his ways. There was probably some dialogue immediately after the healing discussion. And next, Hezekiah asked, what will be the sign that this healing will occur? Isaiah asked, do you want the sundial on your father's steps on your balcony to go backward or forward? Hezekiah asked for the sundial to go backward 10 steps or 10 shadows, and the sundial's shadow moved back 10 steps. So there's something significant with this scene. And most scholars agree that Ahaz's father had a sundial which casted a shadow in the place for them to tell time. The sundial was a form of, you know, permanent solar shadow clock in its day, and there probably wasn't many of them in the world. The sundial was probably outside of the palace in a well-lit balcony for him to see. And why 10 steps? I don't know. And there's a million gurus on the internet with ideas. Let's go with the spiritual number meaning in this one. 10 is the number for order. The Ten Commandments set forth order, and there are many other reasons for this uh, representation. Ten steps backward. God is resetting time back ten steps. He's resetting order back to the order of things prior to Hezekiah's pride and the invasion of his homeland. If you go back ten years in Hezekiah's life, we have the revival before any pride had a foothold in Hezekiah. Maybe God was saying, I will give you back your time you lost to pride in five additional years. Fifteen more years life for Hezekiah. Now Josephus adds something interesting here. He said that God answered his prayer not because of selfishness or his personal desires, but for because Hezekiah's earnestness that why should he die without children? How would he set the kingdom in order? Per Josephus, His earnestness and desire to have a kingdom after him was more important than his own, and he turned the heart of God to heal him. And according to Jewish tradition, um, Hezekiah was childless at this point. Um, It won't be three more years before he has his firstborn son, which is Manasseh. Now, another thing that's interesting is that the Babylonians um, are consistently throughout history have an advanced art of astronomy. In their day, and they're stated with coming to see Hezekiah due to the sign that they saw, potentially having them arrive to visit Hezekiah again before they leave. Regardless, there was a notable sign maybe pointing to this being this whole 10 steps backward as maybe being a potential eclipse in Israel or something significant in the heavens. So there's all sorts of things that it could be an eclipse. God moving the earth back, which is most improbable considering the disastrous natural consequences. But then again, Joshua's long day occurred. Was there a localized shadow or an angelic occurrence? We don't know for sure. But we know it was a sign, and it was recognized even by the Babylonians. And it showed God's power over the elements and even time itself, which is super freaky awesome to consider. The God above time and space was revealing himself to this great king who desperately needed to turn back time. So back to the healing. Another thing to consider is that Isaiah said he would be healed, but not until the third day. 
So he said he would be healed, but on the third day. And, and that's a first for me. Imagine Jesus praying for someone and saying, you'll be fine in three days. Just see. Hezekiah was told he would arise on the third day out of his deathbed and go to the temple. And this is the difference between a healing and a miracle, the time it takes to get better. Miracles are instantaneous. Healing is something that occurs over time. So each day, Hezekiah gets better and better. The first day, color returns to his face. He can eat. The second day, he didn't have the strength to do too much more in the morning. But this was still a huge improvement because his mental capacity was strong again. The second day at the end, he was nearly released out of his bed because all of a sudden he was he physically strong. But he went to he he didn't completely get out of bed that night. The doctors and his friends just said stay that till that third day. He went to sleep the second night without any problems, knowing in faith he would be healed completely in the morning. All right, remember when we got to the Psalms and we got to hear the heart of David in the midst of his struggles? Fortunately, we get to hear the heart of God with Hezekiah as he wrote out his prayer. And here is his heart as he slowly gets healed over three days. I imagine Hezekiah was so full of renewed zeal. He wrote a psalm of thanksgiving to the Lord, many psalms. But this one specifically in Isaiah 38 is the outpouring of his heart. And we end the episode with it. We conclude this episode with Hezekiah's prayer, Isaiah 38, 10. I said in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night you made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion he broke all of my bones. Day and night you made me an end of me. I cried like a swift or a thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am being threatened. Lord, come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you, death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you, as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Isn't that powerful what he declares? Remember Micah's prophecy? He that breaketh through the wall leads the way. We're right here. In the spirit right here, Hezekiah was fully repentant, covering the entirety of the sin of his land in the scene. His prayer was fantastic and the opposite of pride. The king was humbled in his station and prepared for God to move in in the morning. 
The breakthrough occurred in the spirit with our king on this day. Now he still needs to pass through the city before the people, and the Lord must come out at the head of his people. In the next episode, we see what happens when darkness comes to the walls of Jerusalem and resurrection power rises on the third day. Tune in next week to the grand finale of the Hezekiah story. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.